Welcome to Creativity, Excitement, Emotion. I'm David Andrew Weeb, and today I'm excited to be chatting with lead singer, guitarist, stylist, band leader extraordinaire, Jody Lubin. How are you doing, Jody? Good. How are you, David? Always good. So we owe the name of the new podcast to you because at one point you sent me a website mock-up and it said Creativity, Excitement, Emotion on it, and we decided to roll with it. So Thank there you. you go. Yeah, thanks so much. You you dubbed the podcast. <laughs> uh, we've both been part of a leadership program. That's how we both got to know each other. And at that time, one of the things you were looking into is music distribution, which must be kind of a intimidating thing for new mm. artists to come into nowadays. What are some of the more frustrating aspects of the music industry you've encountered so far? Yeah, I think with distribution, it's... Um... It's just so robotic. You're going on and you're signing and putting out your stuff, like let's say like DistroKid or or whatever it might be, but you just don't you don't really get a lot of customer service in that way. So it's like you're kind of just dropping it and hoping it works. Um, which is it's awesome that they provide us a platform, and then it'd be great if there was uh, a little bit more ways of promoting through those distribution companies. It would be great. And, and the music industry itself is just a whole nother uh, mm-hmm. ball game with reaching out to tons and tons of people. And uh, I think we've talked about it before where it's just be, it'd be great if people just give you a straight honest answer of like, received your email. Thanks so much for reaching out. And we don't have time to review it. Uh, keep back, you know, in December of 2025. And we'll, uh, <laughs> we'd love to get in touch. Just something that's like so realistic and and authentic, I think. Technology is has um, lost that human connection sometimes um, when we're emailing or Instagramming people uh, that way. Uh, even bands we like and things like that, you know, they you're always kind of thinking in the back of your head, like, do they ever even see it? Does it get like, swept yeah. away into the junk box in the Instagram or even emails? Is it the same thing? So, yeah, it's a uh, it's one of those things that you just got to roll the dice kind of thing and. and in the best way possible i guess right yeah and i've totally done that too like sometimes people will come with all sorts of pitches and i'm like this is just not something that we'll be looking at right now like for example someone wanted to set me up with a wikipedia page i said that's cool show me your packages okay well you know based on what you're quoting me it doesn't like it's not a focus for us at this moment in time so we're just not going to do it, but follow up with me in, in three months and we'll have another look, right? And that's definitely more authentic than than not answering. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's, that's an awesome observation. <laughs> definitely. You know, Emily White was on the show or the New Music Industry podcast when it was still called that. And she talked about this very thing that the music industry would work so well if everyone just responded to their emails. Because let's face it, it doesn't matter whether you're a music instructor or a musician coach or a musician. There's always messages to be sent. There's people to pitch to. There's people to collaborate with. There's opportunities you're pursuing. And so if you were just a little more human and intentional about responding. I know there's definitely people out there that are inundated with messages and and I'm one of them. But in saying that, yeah, it would be so great if we could have an industry where we each spent like an hour responding and getting back to people and and just being authentic, as you said. Or getting a bigger team. I think 
that's the thing is mm-hmm. you know these companies i think they over they over create in a sense where they're like they get so big and then they they just pick and choose i mean that's great if you've gotten to that point but maybe there's a like a hub that they could create for smaller artists or independent artists like myself I mean, I hate to call myself small just because I don't have a, a huge following, but the thing is, is in the independent side of things, it, it it is challenging to keep going on Instagram every single day and you get all these pop-ups of people offering Spotify playlist this, let's promote your music yeah. like this, and none of it's really real, and then they say it's not bots, and then Spotify says itself, like, don't ever pay for something that's X, so you're like... What do you do as an artist that is up and coming um, or I've arrived? It's just that I, I would love it if my music was heard more, you know, to the level of its quality and investment um, that way. Yeah, that's definitely a minefield to navigate because oftentimes the loudest and most colorful are the ones that are noticed. But it, when you really stop and think about it, it's like would the most experienced and professional coaches present themselves that way? Or would they would they present themselves in another way that would make you think, oh, like this guy reads books, like what a what a concept, right? And yeah, yeah, and engages in the craft and studies and looks at the trends, and it's just a whole different world from people who are like, get on my Spotify playlist and you'll get a bajillion views. Like, doesn't always it, work that way. I think that that too is is who cares is on the other side of that. Cause it's like, you get a million views. I mean, we've, we've heard it from the big ups like Snoop Dogg and Weird Al and all these people are like, you know, making so little off yeah. of, of what this is. And it, it's sad because the music industry is for creators. And when they're given the opportunity to create and deliver their music to, to a broad spectrum of people. And, you know, it's unfortunate because even in streaming, when you can get all of those things, it's like, what do I have when I have all of those things? Well, hopefully a fan base, you know, hopefully people are coming out to shows and buying merch and supporting. And that's one of the things on the other side that's been very challenging is, is really having to ask people to like, Hey, go this way rather than it just being like, Oh, they heard this dope song. And then they shared it with their friends uh, organically in it. And that's what grew the music. Yeah. I've often said that it was about thinking about monetization differently, but Mm. I now realize it's not just about thinking about monetization differently. It's monetization and audience. Yeah, totally. Balancing those two factors and coming at a solution that your fans would love and benefits you at the same time. And that's the, that's the key that can sometimes be a hard one. It's a hard thing to balance. I think one of the hardest things for me to give up has been, having money make money or money money make money go figure right but music make, make you money in the return and what it takes to invest in the craft to have it become quality um working you, you mentioned i'm a hairstylist so working with the biggest you know designers in the world uh whether it's new york fashion week and la fashion week and then also with hair you know worked with great companies that way and, and really awesome hairstylists and they come at a cost when it gets to a certain level. Um, and same with the producers that I've worked with and things like that. I mean, I'm very lucky that I got connected with some really great people that were very reasonably priced in compared to what I looked at before moving into record songs and the album. 
Um, if I would have went straight into it, it could have cost me way over 50 grand just to record 10 songs. I mean, we would have probably been looking closer to 100 if you're going to go in. And now with inflation, it's like all of those guys that used to be charging five grand are probably charging 75 grand, like $7,500 mm-hmm. for a song. And yeah, it just, it seemed like there's just so many people out there they're producing if you don't look around you'll you'll, you could really get taken definitely we've come into an age too where like it very much is possible to record from home i recently did a couple of podcast themes and i was i was amazed by how few plugins i ended up using in effects Mm -hmm. normally there's a lot that goes into that side of things in production and in this case like kind of nailed the sounds out of the box and went and mastered it and i know i'm uh, this is controversial i like i like e-mastered okay it's yeah. it's very cost efficient and it's very good at what it does <laughs> but uh they came out great uh, without a lot of doctoring and and we've come into that age so you're right it's like if you're just coming into this and for context like you're on vancouver island right yeah yeah, yeah and don't get me wrong like the cost of living here is has certainly become astronomical um but canada's kind of going that way period it sounds like even even calgary cost of living has been going up quite a bit mm-hmm. but we're not talking about going down to nashville and recording with the top producers necessarily no. we're talking about finding like a good studio in vancouver island to make a great quality record and- and the crazy thing is, is there's just so many. So sometimes like you, tracking down and working with the right people that fit your project can be a bit of a daunting task. Oh, and yeah. Budget and funding wise, I think, you know, funding is another thing that goes on top of with the music industry side of things and, and how there's grants out there and getting them is like, you know, the uh, Ogopogo or the Loch Ness Monster. It's like where where are the people that can help you? Cause again, it's another one of those things like sitting in with people and, and working to learn about that. But if you don't have over X amount of followers or you don't have over X amount of views, a lot of the time you don't even qualify for the things, even if your music is exceptional quality. Um, it doesn't seem like they listen to that. They more look for the person that's already, you know, 15,000 plus followers or 30,000 to 300,000 views on their music videos and such. I mean, that's great. And, and it's it's not great for the person that's in a start out. And then to give people like, I get that there's got to be some portion of your energy put in financially um, yeah. into the project. And then it's like, and then there's the governmental funding side of things. And, and it is not really like that either. Like it's a not necessarily so that there's the, the that there's any structure to it i mean it's kind of like winning winning the lottery you know yeah it's funny because it's like you apply for it or you don't and even if you do apply for it it's not guaranteed and then people are are kind of forced to learn or artists are forced to try to figure out how to write a grant which it you'd have much more luck putting in the hands of a marketer than than a musician most of the time just because a marketer is going to cover the bases and just i hate to say it but like 
kind of BS and and build up the the amount of stuff that you're supposedly going to do to market your album, which you may or may not. But because that's there, the person reading the grants impressed and they're like, oh, they're going to market in these ways. Awesome. Approved. Right. Yeah. I so, mean, on that note, just to touch base with you before we jump onto something else, there's like uh, I reached out to like a major, I think I passed it by you first, too, and just said, hey, have you ever heard of this? Because you've been around for a while and, and you had. And I was like, oh, wow. And so I sent an inquiry out to this company and three people got back. It was like a, whoa, like, what is this company? And that was really cool to have that experience. They sent me over a marketing proposal right away to use for grants. The thing is, is the grant funding, like the, what they were looking at is I think $25,000 us for a three month run program again by yes, they've been around for a while and things like that. And it's great if you could get, or when you get that funding from a government um, grant, or you know provincial grant whatever it might be um but 25 grand us is almost you know the cost of a car here for us in canada so you know we're looking at do we want to pay my mortgage or do i want to you know go in the other direction i think as a as you know a guy in my 40s i have to look at things a little bit more realistically because the music business right now has taken like my adventure in creativity has cost more than, you know, I can, I can sustain to almost keep up with. Mm -hmm. I bristle at it a little bit because the kind of conversation that I'm now seeing on blogs is, well, everything in music costs 20,000 to $50,000. That's what an independent music video supposedly costs. And I get it. If you want a really great quality one with storyboarding and planning and mm -hmm. multiple camera shots and multiple wardrobes and all that kind of stuff, yes, it is going to cost that much. And at the same time, there's also rappers out there that are recording on nothing but an iPhone. Sometimes in one take, they just find an abandoned building in a city and they go yeah. at it. So, and that there's no way that costs twenty thousand dollars right i understand they probably paid some the, the money's always going somewhere so they probably paid an editor and yeah. color color grading and all that kind of stuff but that videos don't have to cost twenty thousand grant writing doesn't have to cost twenty thousand yeah. yes I, I would pay a pretty penny but it might be more like 20 cents per word and we're talking maybe two two to three thousand words that's not going to cost you 20 grand yeah so there's there's an economy that's not properly um understood or maybe they just want to set this weird expectation that everything's going to cost 20k well it, i think it's the like the standout factor um like not being an independent artist and not having a label or anything to to help with those costs at the time i mean and whether that label would even be effective is the question as well. I mean, as we know, a lot of the time, and I, I don't know personally, but, you know, through hearsay, you're getting on a label. Is it just like taking out a large loan that you might as well just do yourself? And, and you know, do they just put out the money for you and then you have to repay it anyway in the long term, um, which would, would be like, I hope it would work out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not something that you could really go in with like, I would hope like with a label or something like that down the road or even right next to me. I don't know. Like, is it right there where this person comes to a show and they hear the album and they're like, holy shit, like this guy's awesome. Um, 
and it goes somewhere. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it seems sometimes like it is just easier to do it on your own than not. So yeah. it's like you, you get stuck in this crossroads or the divide of like, what more can I put in? I mean, even with us planning this new, the new clean slate show and stuff and, and planning a future for it, it's, it's something we've put time and time is money. So it's like, so how do we monetize over a period of time as well and lower expectation to be able to create longevity through our investments in, in with our time? Um, I think is the thing, right? Definitely. And I'll come back to that clean site thing for sure. (laughs) 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 This, this is just a rumor I heard and I actually need to look into it myself. So don't take this as gospel, but I heard that the music industry largely is not funded by music sales, music royalties, anything of the sort, touring performance. It's Mm. largely funded by venture capitalists. So mm. we, we kind of have a false economy at the top to begin with. Never yeah. mind never mind how that trickles down to the independent artist much of the time, right? Well, I think I mean the first thing that came to mind is you get all these shows like uh is it the zone and like Canada's got talent, America's got talent, and you you know, all those kinds of shows too. And you know, even threading the eye of that needle, but it portrays this like almost delusions of grandeur of like, what is it actually like to win one of those contests and get through to the other side? Like, is it actually even beneficial for an artist? I mean, cause I've heard so much mixed reviews on that as well, which is challenging. I mean, it's just the fact that not just, it is the fact that as a, as a human being who is aligned with equality and people being valued and respected, um, not only myself, but the people I work with and, and outwardly. Um, it, it's like, is there a point when people stop just taking advantage of people? Hmm. Yeah, right. Because of their talent, you know, it's it, it, it's like, does the artist get control? Because it's like they hire a bunch of writers in and the writers do all the work and then the artist just becomes this puppet that sings a bunch of songs that they didn't even write anymore and it's like for me being a multifaceted artist and singer songwriter loving composure like the artistic element of you know what came from my craft and high fashion and things like that it's like i like all of those elements so as you know being a creator i I would love to have the team to back all of that as well which is which build and it takes time but it comes down to financials as well um you know, going back to things, not costing 20 grand. We did a photo shoot at a local artist community in Victoria for like 200 bucks the other day. And I styled it and I called in a friend of ours that does photography and it was great. And I think those are things that you can do with the right community. And then the challenges are sometimes what happens when it doesn't click Um, because Mm -hmm. then you're out time and money again. and, And then you're back, you know, to doing it. So doing it DIY can work sometimes for the right people, but I wouldn't recommend it for some people that Mm. are wanting to push the needle in their craft at a point. Right. And you know what you said about talent show winners, like the vast majority don't end up with long-term careers, right? They become one hit wonders. Some don't even have that opportunity. Some just drop off the map and 
you know, of course, there could be different factors, family to take care of. Um, there could be their own health or stage fright or anxiety or mental health. There's so many factors that could come into play or the labels like, yeah, we'll sign you, but you know, really we don't have any space for you right now. So we've assigned our, you know, junior assistant to look after you, but really we're not going to do anything. It's that funny, because, it's funny you mentioned that one time I was looking to get into session work. So there was a, I was going around Vancouver and starting to like work, you know, put my thing out in modeling agencies and stuff like that to get on with editorial work. And I got signed up with this company and they're like, oh yeah, it was exactly that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we'll get you on. Like, well, well, they never called me. I was like, this is the weirdest thing. They're like, they're super stoked. They were, you know, they love the portfolio. They were like, wow, this is awesome. We can't wait to work with you. I never got a goal. <laughs> <laughs> they literally like were signing me up. And I was like, what the hell? So, the, I mean, this is the thing. You can even sit down with people and it's not necessarily meaning that it's going to have a follow through. So, I mean, it's just that I think technology has created such a divide, even like you said, with, you know, e mastering that's that's great yeah. but that's like i like to have a connection with a, a human being so that when something isn't going in the way that i need it to just because i i don't like to do it all on my own yeah. um so building the album release for you know all of the stuff that i've done uh has always revolved around building a, even a, a team um and a team of two to three four people whatever it might be uh, and giving back to community because I mean giving back to a robot you don't really get anything back and I think that's just an, another disconnect sometimes through humanity um, it, it crushes our communities and then we lose the support of like what can the artists actually do with other people it's like yeah. I mean I'm all for everything except I think AI art <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I get it and, and it works for certain things. Um, but other things like uh, if you're trying to promote AI art, like you created it yourself. I mean, I think it'd be something yeah. like, really? No. You don't. just wrote, wrote a plant, wrote a prompt and then typed enhance a bunch of times. So yeah. yeah, it's like, it's stuff like that, that I hope that doesn't get too far. And I think that's even it with these digital platforms like Instagram and so on. I mean, you're getting all these people marketing to you as the artist, but will they ever even get back to you, even if your stuff is quality? So it's like, do you put all your time in chasing down these people or reaching out to these people? And then just, it's kind of like, you know, it's like a pipe dream. Is it ever really going to happen? Right. Yeah. Likely not in, you know, a couple of years. And that's the thing about sort of adopting a Dream 100 mindset about it, which is to say, like, some of our heroes are 50, 60, 70 now. It doesn't mean there aren't younger ones out there, but we they, they don't have 10 years, let alone us, to try to make something <laughs> like that happen. I mean, that's a, that's the a thing is, like, that's just a that's one of the things too that you know god being in my 40s and taking on music five four five years ago i mean it's everybody was like are you are you knocking futs you know like mm -hmm. and i was like no like I, it's something that i still have a desire to do like i have a passion for it just like i have with skateboarding i mean i've got stuff that doesn't allow me to skateboard so much anymore as much as i'd like to 
um, arthritis in my hip and other things like that. I mean, that's aging. But I think if we could give up the social constructs as well around age, I'm seeing like so many people in their 50s and 60s. I mean, even if we look at a guy like Mick Jagger, to use it as an example, or, um, you know, I don't think the guys are in, in Bush are that old, but mm-hmm. I saw a performance with that, uh, the lead singer on Jimmy Fallon the other night. And oh my God, I was like, this guy sounds great. And he looked great and he was really awesome. And I was like, you know, that's, and even guys like Weezer that have been around in Green Day, they still look great. They still perform heavy energy shows. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like to, to see. I totally agree. And it's just, it's funny how the music industry sort of, I won't say treats them, but the tea parties and, and the, uh, many bands like them of, of the world, I'm other earths and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. They all end up playing casinos, right? They're still playing mm-hmm. guys. If you want to go see them, but now it's like, you got, you got to go to the casinos to see them. And that, that's kind of the trajectory of a rock band nowadays after it you've is. made it, yeah, after you've it, made it huge. I think it is. And it isn't, I think, you know, and looking at it that way, even I've looked at it that way, we've looked at it that way for, you know, events and things like that. It's, it's strange to see and it's a venue. And I think um, there's already sometimes a built-in demographic that goes to a casino. um, That's a draw. And uh, it's kind of something that maybe we didn't tap into. I remember going to see Inve Malmsteen. Oh yeah. (laughs) at uh the hard rock in vancouver or not the hard rock the the other one the river rock i think it is casino and they had a whole like separate venue for music which was amazing and so they put on different stuff like that and i think it's on it's um it's neat they're often close to transportation and it's easy to get to and i saw slash at the hard rock but that you know that was a casino and hotel i think as well in in coquitlam uh, with Miles Kennedy and um, his his crew with the conspirators. And it's been happening for a while. And I'd hate to put it that it's that. It's just it kind of goes to show where arts and culture is sometimes in our communities that yeah. as you age, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's how you dance in the conversation of what what is a venue these days. Yeah. And you're right. Anything could absolutely be a venue. Oh, okay. Oh, we lost you there. <laughs> lost your own visual. Oh, it's like thanks, computer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I was like, no, what happened? Uh, yeah, man. Well said. And you know, you mentioned getting into music like four or five years ago. So let's dive into that. Like, what's your story, and and how did that come to that point? Well, I found with hair, I was kind of doing music half-ass and wanting to push the needle, it was really challenging doing, you know, eight hour days at the salon and then coming home and try to do time with music uh, and things like that. And I was like, I'm just doing this half-assed, like I'm I'm not even like committed all the way. And I was like, what would it be like if I committed all the way or when I commit all the way? And Mm -hmm. so about five years ago, um, I, I looked at life and I was like, could I do this? And my partner was all in too. She was like, yeah, you should do it because I don't want you to leave it like a what if. And and yeah. so we chose to do it together. And then little did I know financially, it would be so invested. Yeah. Um, 
that way. And, you know, when we committed to do the album together, my partner and I, um, I, I had a budget and we stuck to it and it was a lot more in the end than I thought. And that included the time that I had off work and stuff to make it happen. I mean, it's, it's great um, to work on a schedule and things like that. And I was able to create and, and have the album done in about 10 months, um, which was a huge accomplishment or was a great accomplishment for me, uh, not doing a 10 song album um, that way. So, you know, it was more like I've been doing, I bought my first guitar in 2011. <laughs> I don't know why I bought a red guitar. Um, <laughs> I, to this day, I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? It was, it's like I bought this Sunbird, Sunburst Red, like Gibson Studio Les Paul. And I was like, it was good. It had P90s in it. I didn't know a lot about guitars. And yeah. so it was a price point. And then I was like, I hate this guitar. <laughs> like the look of it, I was like, I don't want a red guitar. So, you know, we started making music with a friend of mine and I followed his band around and we had a jam space and I, you know, so I've been doing music for a lot longer than, than the last five years, but five years seriously. Um, and then when I released my first single out of time, it was at the very beginning, which I kind of felt like a, like a kick in the nuts, to be honest. Like, I felt like, what the hell just happened? Like, how did this, like, I commit, I go all in and it works. And then it's like, yeah. And then I got stuck at home, um, which was extremely challenging and beneficial at the same time. Once I got over a lot of my fears of, of not, I have really bad asthma for a very long time. And so when COVID came, I was like, kind of panicked and uh threw me into a bit of a state mentally and um because I'd almost died like three times with asthma as a kid so I, I thought my time here was over uh, wow. so I thought you know here it goes I'm gonna release my first single <laughs> I'm gonna die I was like eh, that sucks yeah so you know it was it was that and so I just com committed through COVID and kept releasing songs, released five singles in, in 2020 and, um, and then pushed through to, to record the album in 2021, releasing it in 2023. Um, due to all the errors and things of like society getting back into its groove and not being able to even promote the album really other than social media was, I think, detrimental. Um, yeah, so we got a great backing band this year uh, that had a good run last year. And they're like young and eager uh, musicians that I'm super grateful to work with because they're they're awesome. And, you know, it keeps me young uh, to be working with people that are like hungry for it and, and out to do things that way. So I think last year, too, I did like I started doing open mics finally. Um, <laughs> in May and by December I'd done close to 100 open mics so it's a pretty crazy thing to go from zero to like that uh, was pretty awesome and did a couple of showcases last year and then pushed the needle and booked a show in November uh, to push the needle over into live performances which opened up the door for this year to be booked with you in February and then yeah. uh, I got a, another show booked in December or in March. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's just, is really cool. So I hope that gives you a bit of like, um, 
you know, uh, background to where it started. <laughs> yeah, I think that gives us lots to to bite into. <laughs> and what you reminded me of too was the time I went on a search for the perfect electric guitar. I don't know what I was thinking. I was maybe two years into playing, but <laughs> already I'm going like, this isn't it. This isn't it. I can't have uh-huh. to play a little Squire or like a, the Fender's all right, but I, it's not going to do what I needed to do because I wanted a, a double locking bridge, right? With the Floyd Rose. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I tried everything. I was trying Parker's and I was trying Ibanez's and I was like, this is all pretty interesting, but it, it's just not quite ringing true for me i was at long mcquade and my friend goes and finds a guitar and brings it back to me and he's like try this even i find this easy to play and i'm the drummer <laughs> i was like what is it oh ernie bone music man like that is not like, eddie van halen's guitar right yeah and so <laughs> i'm playing it and i'm like okay the neck feels incredible when i use the whammy bar it doesn't fall out of tune which was a problem i was noticing with some of the other guitars I, I think I, it looks amazing and I'm sold. I mean, yeah. don't, if I, if I could have chosen a different color, I would have chosen yellow, but it was a red <laughs> and, and I still have this guitar and that's my main one. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, this is the red guitar. Okay. So you can see a little bit of red. Yeah, there's not much red left. <laughs> and I, I beat, I, I painted it in the backyard of my friend's house. Um, Got a little ding on there from, things but i i did it myself uh painted it with nitro and um that's the changed one of the pickups so this is a demarzio tone zone and that's a regular p90 but i just like messed it up with some odd color pattern to make it more unique so yeah that's that's my uh gibson that's awesome and now i love it (laughs) i don't hate it anymore the best thing about that Ernie Ball Music Man, though, was it was it was one of the guys, one of the sales guys' favorite guitar. So he always used that guitar whenever demoing things. Oh yeah, but, yeah. But I guess he was probably saving up and never bought it, and <laughs> so they weren't going to get any more Ernie Balls or at least Axis guitars in there. Yeah. And so it was marked down like half price. Crazy. Yeah, I, I got it. I mean, how did that? situation happened i don't know but i found that's it awesome, I, found, I found the perfect guitar yeah yeah that's great yeah well you know sounds like 2024 is going to be a big for, year for you and clean slate is coming up february 16th yeah we're, yeah it, we're excited to play that and you know what what made you go like oh, i gotta be a part of this it was well you reached out to me and uh i've been wanting to discover like who is David after we it's like because I have the shirts that are who the fuck is Jody Lubin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, a lot of the time I found myself asking myself that um over the years. And so I thought it'd be funny to just do that throwback to the Mick Jagger t-shirt uh, when Keith Richards came out and wore that to the show back in I think the 60s or 70s. And um yeah, it was to learn more about setting myself aside and and being part of a journey with other people and not having to force the outcome of, of how is it going to be um, being more in the presence of what can I offer the event? Uh, you know, it, it's been really cool to be a part of the structuring of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then just seeing the, um, 
the growth of it, how, you know, how we brought together some great people. I think it's going to be an, it's going to be an awesome event. And so, yeah, for me, it was also to do, you know, you've done a few things as well. So I thought this is great experience. And if all I do is give time and, and, and start in a place, um, it's a great time for me to book a show <laughs> as well yeah. in February with the band. So I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. I love it. Very well said. And definitely yeah. looking forward to this, this show, as you yeah. say, we've got community there and I'm excited about that. Having been a community builder for over eight years, sometimes just because of the people I was working with and my mentors, it was more about, not as much about who showed up as much as it was about noticing the interactions and the way people communicate with each other and the people, the way people are in different situations. It sounds like a, a grand social experiment, which I don't think it was the case. Um, my mentor just really loved to see people in community and how they handle themselves in, in the situations. And, so I get to take some of that and I get to adapt some of it as well as, cause as you said, putting on an event, well, may not be the hardest thing in the world, but there's a financial outlay, just like anything else you want to do in music and yeah. there's pr promotion involved and it's we're getting the word out there, which is what we're doing right now. So it's uh, yes, while like, um, doing the show in Vancouver, I didn't really realize what the cost would be um, to do it. And, you know, so many things have went up financially, like the ferry costs and things to look at how, how do people do it? <laughs> I like, yeah. it's like an abundance of finance somehow to like go on these tours and stuff or somehow make it back. I think it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. There's some things working to your advantage when, when you're touring, but it's definitely a, a completely different situation when you've got a home, you've got a car, you've got uh, maybe a girlfriend or maybe even kids, then it becomes a, a kind of a new thing to tackle. If, if you can be nomadic, really it's been shown that traveling the world's cheaper than living in a major city. And yeah. I, I could, I could see that these days. Yeah. That's also what I've experienced. As long as you got a job that I guess allows you to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it became, it, I came to a point in my life where it became a non-negotiable. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I'd, I'd worked hard to earn my freedom from, from a workplace by 2016. And it mm -hmm. took a while to get there. And then three more years to get my location independence where I didn't have to be at any one place. Yeah. So awesome. and, and from that point on, it's always been, negotiating this journey in a way that still allows me to be remote or working from wherever I am versus having to go or be somewhere. Yeah. Cool, man. Congrats. That's awesome. Thank you. I think this has been a really great conversation. I enjoyed having you here, Jody. We actually, this is our third try of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know what was going on with my camera. It's like, this computer's old and it just does what it wants. I'm like, it worked for the whole thing almost. And then all of a sudden I'm like, huh? Like, okay, I moved it over here. It works. Um, Technical glitches. Computer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's okay though. I think in creativity, excitement, emotion, everything flies. We're not going to be doing tons of editing on this show. Um, no, nah, I think that's great. Keep it candid, keep it authentic. Yeah. I mean, 
it's a thing you can script whatever, but then you lose all the, those, those juicy tidbits sometimes. Yeah. You can miss the magic and that's yeah. really the point of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Totally is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have you back. And uh, are you open to being a part of a round table in the future? Maybe we'll have a musician's round table and it could be. Oh, hell yeah. 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 That'd be great. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's this episode of Creativity, Excitement, Emotion. I believe episode nine. It's going to be posted the same day it was recorded. All right. Yeah, absolutely. Here we go. Uh, All right. Many more great conversations to come. So be sure to go to davidandrewweeb.com. And I know that's tough to spell. W-I-E-B-E. Until next time. It's coming up fast and there's no time. Clean Slate 2024 is coming up fast, February 16th in Victoria, BC. You don't wanna miss out on this incredible live music and multimedia event with a dosage of inspiration to light you up creatively and to have an amazing 2024. Once again, that's Clean Slate. You don't wanna miss out. Go to davidandrewweeb.com and you'll either have the option to get up win tickets or buy tickets as soon as they go on sale so once again i invite you to go to davidandrewweeb.com and get your tickets right away see you there